Don't quit. It's so simple. It's so simple, but it's the number one thing that's probably keeping you from achieving what that what you want most is your desire to give up when you need to push forward. I know, and and, and again, I know it's simple, and I know I'm supposed to say something super profound, it's but good. the reality is, is I am where I am today because I just wouldn't quit. I wouldn't quit. I wouldn't quit growing. I wouldn't quit learning. I wouldn't quit learning that I could do it better. Welcome to Pivot Me, where we give business tips and mental hacks so you can move past your biggest obstacles and live the life you've earned. And now your host, business advisor and performance expert, April Garcia. For years, I made large companies larger and rich people richer. Now I coach driven entrepreneurs to hack success, create more time and get better results through high performance habits, the multiply me method, and a little mental gymnastics. On Pivot Me, I talk to thought leaders and experts sharing our successes, our many scrubs, and how we can all use both to move us to the next level. Join us and learn real simple steps to pivot you and your business towards the life you've earned. Let me ask you something. Would you have the courage, the audacity to ask a kid this question? Would you rather be more like your father or me? Yeah, blew my mind too. We're about to get into that question and how it changed everything for my guest today. Today, we're sitting down with Stephen Scoggins, an award-winning multi-million dollar serial entrepreneur, best-selling author, and creator of Transform You Live event. He's also the host of the Stuck to Unstoppable podcast. Despite all that, Stephen still owns seven businesses ranging from construction to real estate. He has a team of 400. He will share his story from starting at rock bottom and how he got to the top. But Stephen says he owes much of his current success to the mistakes of his youth and is determined to share the principles that guided him to success. It took 40 plus years of setbacks, of failures, breakdowns, losses, and comebacks to get here. And now he shares them to help others break through their own limitations. Can't wait to get into this. Let me welcome Stephen Scoggins today at Pivot Me. What is going on, man? I'm so happy to be here. Dude, I'm, I'm just stoked about this. This is going to be a great interview. I'm so excited. You've got a hell of a backstory. I can't wait to dive into this and then has turned into this amazing success story. But let's do this. Let's start at the beginning. You, ha- you have a heck of a backstory and you had a rough start. Can you tell us a little bit about your beginnings and then we'll talk about how the transition occurred? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you think about it, I would dare say there are more Americans that kind of are growing up now, like I kind of grew up then, which kind of breaks my heart a little bit. But, uh, you know, I grew up largely in a broken home, mom and dad, you know, mother struggled with some mental abuse things that happened before my father, my father struggled with alcoholism. But at the end of the day, they weren't part of my early part of my life, not the way I can remember it. My mom, on the other hand, would tell you, I changed her diapers. I did this. I'm like, I understand mom, but I was I don't have memories past like three years old or before three years old. I'm sorry. But no, and in all seriousness, you know, I was largely raised by my grandmother. And, you know, it's funny when you're, when you don't have a lot, you don't know you don't have a lot, especially when you're a kid, you just don't realize it. That was until my grandmother came home one afternoon and uh, basically discovered that she was diagnosed with cancer that day. Now I'm nine years old. Okay. I've got a GI Joe in one hand, a transformer in the other. Like I'm, you know, literally snake eyes was kicking Optimus Prime's butt right? Just yeah. like minutes before. And 
you know, I'll never forget this because she, she sat me down. She had like, she's welling up with tears in her eyes. And she said, I don't really have anybody else, but I need you, I need you to help me. Now, if you think about the mental acuity of a nine-year-old, right? The brains aren't even fully developed yet. I'm sure mine wasn't. I'm sure it was more mush. But there was something about her eyes that just made me want to dig in. And she proceeded to take the black chair that was next to the, the table, slotted across the old 70s, like, linoleum floor over to the tan, you know, appliances, the stove or whatever, and begin to teach me how to make anything that could boil water. So the reason being, reason was, is because now I was responsible for getting my little brother up who was three years younger than me. So he's six, I'm nine and going to get her meds and bringing her stuff. By the way, childproof containers are not childproof. They're adult proof, just for the record. <laughs> Noted. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, but you know, so that was kind of like the early start. And I think that's where my, my caretaker, my desire to like solve everybody's problems kind of came into it. That unfortunately, you know, she passed away when I was 11. I immediately went to go live with my grandfather, uh, my father, my brother went to live with my mother in Florida. I didn't realize at the time that that was going to damage my brother and mine's relationship. I didn't realize he looked up to me. I, you know, I was what, even 12, you know, my brain, you know, again, you're, you don't know what you don't know. Right. Sure. Uh, but that's when I started the construction industry and, and I started carrying studs at 11 years old, 25 cents a stud or a dollar an hour, whatever was better for the business, according to my father. So they started me at 25 cents a stud, quickly found out that I moved things quickly and then said, no, let's give them a dollar an hour. And I did that for a while and I didn't think anything about it. But over the course of the next three to four years, I met my very first mentor and he told me some things or told me one thing specifically that ultimately long-term change my ultimate direction. You know, there's, I know one of the things that I love about your show is you, you have these pivot point moments you like that you mm -hmm. like to talk about. And I've definitely had many of those, but when I met this man, he saw something in me, I didn't see in myself, you know, my in over, like I did one of those, if you ever done those ancestry.com, like deep dives, where you go on ancestry down the rabbit hole. I haven't done it. My sister has, I was adjacent okay. as ancestry adjacent. <laughs> okay. So I went totally down the rabbit hole, right? Okay. So uh, so if you were adjacent, you were getting all the, the the cool things she was finding, right? Yeah. Well, I went down the rabbit hole and I discovered in over 400, almost 500 years, not a single person with the last name of Scoggins had ever been a person of influence, influence, or a great steward of relationships. So they were destitute and impoverished in a variety of different levels. In fact, the whole reason Scoggins ended up here on in the United States is because apparently in Europe, my ancestors shot a deer on a Lord's land, which was a no-no. Sure. So they were sent here as part of a penal colony to become sharecroppers. Wow. And that's, and that's like 400, I mean, that's almost 500 years. It's nuts, right? Here's why I think that's important. Here's why I think it's important for everybody to understand the importance of, a, of their pivot point, their catalyst moment, right? Which I know you're so passionate about, which is one of the things I love about the show, is Steve Myrick, my first mentor, was my dad's employer, but he became like a grandfather slash father figure to me. And I'll never forget this. It was a, it was a hot summer afternoon. He pulled me down off my, my dad's framing crew, put me in his Jeep Grand Cherokee where there's plenty of AC, which I totally loved. And he looked at me. He goes, uh, I got a question for you. I'm like, well, what's that? He goes, what's the difference between a rich man and a poor man? And I was like, duh, money. Of course, it's, it's money. Like, it's got to be money, right? He says, absolutely not. It's the way they think. Now, on the surface level, that took a long time before it actually sank in. The next question, follow-up question after that is what really, really hit me in the heart. And he said, do you want to think like me or do you want to think like your father? Wow. And it caused me to pause. I never, I mean, I, again, you're, most of us are going through 
like no matter what level you're trying to achieve, maybe, maybe you're, you know, you're, you're, you're like me, you're in your mid forties, you've, you've done some really cool things, but you want to do some bigger things. And you also want to, you know, take care of your family and do all that kind of stuff and, and just have an amazing life, but you keep hitting the seal, right? Mm-hmm. I'm sure you found like I found that the greatest reason that most of us struggle is because we simply don't know what we don't know, right? If there was a better way, our type A type personalities would do it a different way. Or at least we tell ourselves we do it a different way and then stumble our way into it, right? Sure, sure. <laughs> well, in this particular moment, I, I was forced to stop in my tracks and totally take inventory like of the difference between the two. Yeah. Had you ever compared them before? I had not. I never okay. thought about it. You know, you, sure. you, you're in an environment, right? You're in a, you know, we, we were spending a lot of time in mobile home parks and, and you know, our mobile home specifically side a cow pasture, which is nothing like being woke up in the morning by a cow mooing, but we, I would get up. It's 5 a.m. We put on our boots. We head to the head to work. When I wasn't at work, I was in school. When I wasn't at school, I was at work. Like I was, mm-hmm. you know, I was in one of the two places, you know, and my dad worked really hard. He was not great with money, never was a good steward of it. He was the kind of guy that would borrow and never repay. We know when I was so when I'm going through this with, with Steve specifically, I'm I'm going through this rationalization process of defining the two. Now here's 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 a case in point. So I kind of rattled off some stuff about my dad. Okay. Here's Steve Marks. Steve Mark was the kind of man who ran a very, very tight ship as a business owner. He was a self-made entrepreneur, self-made multimillionaire. That was kind of common knowledge around the people that we associated with. On top of that, he was also the kind of man that would literally go to a barbecue restaurant. Of course, we got barbecue restaurants here in mm-hmm. North Kakalaki. That's what we got over here. And he would go there. He put a $1,000 tip under a bag of hush puppies or a, you know, those baskets of hush puppies, walk out the door. And then a single waitress, a single mother would come over and get totally wrecked, totally Mm -hmm. wrecked. And I'll never forget that because in that moment, that was actually what popped up in my head. Not the fact that he could buy whatever he wanted. Uh, mm -hmm. And I knew my, my dad couldn't do that. I knew that. I I mean, I just knew he couldn't do it. So as a result, it stopped me in my tracks and long enough to get me to pause. And I think ultimately that's where my shift started to begin, um, even though it would take a lot longer than that. You know, what's interesting though, is it makes sense to me why that would be the memory that pops out because of your caretaking tendencies from when you were younger. This like is very true. <laughs> a financial abundance allows me to care for people in the way I'd like to care for them, even complete strangers. Yeah, that's very true. Whoa, that's, you know, what's interesting though, Stephen, I got to point something out. So it is amazing that Steve's influence, Steve, right? Your mentor? Yeah, Steve might, yeah. Uh, Steve's influence on you. And so we're thinking about it from that perspective. Imagine what it took for Steve to have that conversation, to, Mm -hmm. to take aside a child and have that conversation and a pretty bold conversation of, Hey, do you want to be like me or do you want to be like your dad? Yeah. That took courage. That took guts. I mean, he could have ended up with your dad's fist in his face. There's so many ways (laughs) this could have gone wrong. I just want to pause for a moment and really appreciate what it was like in Steve's position And also remind us that sometimes it's just one conversation that can change Mm -hmm. someone's life. That's right. Just like how pivotal that was for you. I I just want to see it from the other lens too. Yeah, no, if you think, so here's the crazy part. Apparently Steven, Steve, I'm Steven, he's he's Steve, noticed my work ethic. He just saw that I was a hard worker. Mm -hmm. Now, granted, that's, seems like that's in the DNA literally in 400 plus years of DNA. Sure, sure. But hard work is a dime of of the net. It's not correlated to success the way people (laughs) think it is. Right. But the crazy part was, is I later learned, and because one of the one of the questions I had for Steve 
I mean, Steve passed away in 2003 before my first book ever came out. And it's been a number mm-hmm. of years since my first book came out. But um, I went back and I had someone actually do some research behind me to make sure that I had my timeline kind of tightened up. And they went to go interview Steve's wife, Lona. And I said, do me, please do me a favor. Ask Lona why Steve helped me. Just ask her why. He's like, okay, I'll totally do that. So they have their meeting. He comes back and he says, well, so what did you ask her the question? He's like, yeah, I did. And he said, well, do you want to know the answer? I was like, well, duh, I'm sitting here like asking you if you've tied the conversation. Of course I want to know. He says, Lona said that the number, the reason that Steve helped you is because he saw himself in you. Steve grew up as a merchant Marine, also grew up in more of an impoverished kind of mentality, also was a self-made kind of like gritty kind of determination. Like I'm going to find a stinking way. I don't know how, but I'm going to find a way, right? There was a caveat. And this is something I didn't know. Apparently Steve Myrick is actually one of my grandfather's employers or employees, so Steve became an employee of my grandfather and the roles got reversed because of the way Steve thought as compared to my grandfather. Whoa, that's amazing. Yeah. So I love, so to me, it was like this whole circle of influence, the Scoggins and the Myricks, you know, for a long time were like intertwined, mm-hmm. you know, Scoggins and it, it's funny how things have changed. In fact, I actually went out and got my general contractor's license a number, number, number of years ago. I still have it, but because Steve's daughter told me I couldn't do it. <laughs> I'll see that challenge and raise you. <laughs> so Stephen, I'm just thinking about how you went back and 400 years and you're saying, I looked at my ancestry and I found that they struggled with finances or hard workers. Yes, that's the through line, but the money left their hands pretty quickly. How does it feel to know that you've changed your ancestry? Like it, it ended with you and going forward, it's all going to look different. Well, the, I think the tricky part is just being stuff where to know that at any given moment, I can make a decision to make that all go away. It's a, I, I've realized I was actually having this, this conversation with my youngest son. We were in Nashville not long ago. And I said, I was reminding him, I said, do you realize if I come up here and do something stupid while I'm in Nashville, hurt somebody by accident or something like that, what that does to everything, everything that we've been building, all the, all the businesses, all the personal, all the personal branding stuff that, you know, comes with, with putting yourself out there and all this kind of stuff. I told him, I said, it only takes one mistake to basically set the dominoes out of your favor versus in your favor. Yeah. You know, so while I appreciate the fact that my personal level of growth is directly connected to my personal level of suffering, which it is for everybody, I appreciate the journey. I also am accountable and responsible in this journey now to know that every decision I make can infect lives in any of my businesses, my family. Because one of the things that he brought to me said, well, I'm curious, why do you always wear white shoes when you, when you present? I said, well, because I always want to remind myself that I'm walking on holy ground. Mm. Because every single word that I say at a scale, you know, at this stage in the game, we're, we're able, both able to do this at scale. Every single word we say has weight. It does. And if, if you're not being responsible and respectful of that at any given moment, then what happens is, is you move back into selfishness and further away from selflessness which means you become further away from the leader that you want to be further away from the parent. You want to be further away from the the thought leader. You want to be all of that stuff is directly tied to the constant awareness that development is development. It never ends. And I think we never graduate from this work. Exactly. Which is why I think it's so important for all of us on a regular basis, those who are aspiring to do more to remember, there's always going to be this transition of going from who you were to who you become 
one of our dear friends, Rory says all the time is, and I, it's funny, he and I had this, this banter back and forth about who created the quote first. Because <laughs> he says it differently, but I learned it from Steve. And that is the greatest purpose in life I'll ever have is serving the person I used to be. That's right? so good. Yes. I mean, but if you think about it, yeah. what, what are you doing? You're, yeah, that's who you're most uniquely positioned to serve, right? You yeah. know how they think, you know what their habits, they're good, they're bad. You know what demons they're battling. You have the greatest insight. I, Rory, I like the way Steven just said it better. <laughs> <laughs> Since you said, you said you guys are going back and forth. No, that's, that's so good. But Steven, how did you make that switch? So coming with your background and the modeling that you had when you were growing up, and to the point now I get on stage and I'm wearing white shoes because I'm walking on holy ground. How was imposter syndrome not riding shotgun? Or if it is, how do you quiet it? Like, how did you make that transition? Yeah. So specifically with imposter syndrome, I dealt with that like pretty hardcore, especially when you started looking at, okay, now I'm putting myself out there. Right. And what do I know? And one of the yeah. things that has helped me is to remind myself of the journey that I've been on and the benefit of the journey has now uniquely given me the, the chance to discuss or talk about. I think it's in our human nature to, to identify ourselves by our mistakes. Mm-hmm. I try to identify, identify myself now by the impact. Like if there's one person in a room and they have an aha, it's just as important as 10,000 in a room that have an aha. Sure. Right. Because Steve Myrick radically shifted my life. He's one of, he's one of several, right. That radically shifted my life. That, so you're an example of what impact can do on someone. It, and I would, I, mean, I would argue that we both are, mm-hmm. right? And many of the amazing guests that you've had on have all kind of shared yeah. that element. It's like, we, we have the compassion, we have the empathy, we understand the suffering, we understand the sacrifice. We also understand what's on the other side of it. I think that that's ultimately why, why it's so important to not just reach for another level, but reach for the thing that's within the level right? Reach for the, the hidden meaning, if you will, in the level. So for example, I want to, let's say maybe grace larger stages. I'm just throwing that out there sure, or something like that. Well, what I should be doing is rather than focus on a larger stage, focus on serving really, really well at the stage I'm in. Okay. Right. So it's, it's kind of like a five talent principle, right? You, if I want, I want to be the kind of person that when given the opportunity, I double the opportunity, no matter what it is. I want to be the kind of person that offers enough insight and enough help and enough frameworks and enough structure to allow other people to not only double their level, but surpass me in theirs. Right. And I think that's where maturity and immaturity kind of battle. An immature leader is going to come at it from an angle of, well, I don't want, I need them here. I'm cause I'm here to me. A mature leader is like, come on, baby, let's go. Yeah. Kind of yeah. So. Let's do that. I want you to surpass. I assume this uh, permeates your parenting as well, that what you want for your kids is for them to have done better than you. Yes. I think, I think that's guilty for all the parents. That's, <laughs> I don't know. I, I've, I know quite a few parents who uh, would like do good, but not so good that you outshine me. So I think, I think that's a mark of a, to use your term, mature parent as well. It's maybe it's confidence. Maybe it's just parenting past insecurity, but I think that's important because I've seen a lot of parents who don't take that approach. And instead, like, I want you to do good, but not yeah. so good that you look better than me. Yeah. Well, I think the the greatest struggle that I've seen in parenting just and, and it's just outside is trying to get our kids to be what we want them to be rather than what they were created to be. So true. So true. Right? 
I was on a, another show, I was being interviewed the other day and, and he was asking me about my journey through entrepreneurism and how young it started. And then he goes, he's like, well, you have two, two young daughters. He's like, I'm sure you have huge plans for them. And he's like, you know, do you want them to be entrepreneurs as well? Tell me about your huge plans for them. I said, oh, I do have huge plans for them. It's for them to be their own beautiful selves. I would mm-hmm. not wish entrepreneurism upon them unless that's what they want. <laughs> But I was really clear. I was like, no, no, no. The worst thing I can do is place my expectations of the way I think their life should be. I just want them to be happy and healthy and contribute and be kind people. They're already doing that at eight and 10. So I've got some pretty good trust that they'll continue to do that. But the worst thing we can do is place these heavy expectations on, well, you've got to do this because this is what I want for you. Or this was my lost opportunity or lost dream. No, I love it because, you know, without doing it that way, what are you really creating? You're creating a robot. You're not taking into account, you know, my, my youngest son is really, really gifted. It turns out at entrepreneurial stuff. Like I, yeah. I've caught him teaching TikTok to people recently and some <laughs> other stuff. My oldest son, however, is much more of the process minded system oriented. He wants to be, he actually wants to be a history teacher and stuff like that. And it's like, okay, you're both currently positioned in the, in your strength. Mm-hmm. Now will your ultimate life end up like, exactly where you are based on where you're headed? Probably not. Sure. But as long as you're operating in your your unique strength and gift set, you will always be successful. And yeah. happy as well, right? Mm-hmm. Versus doing something that just maybe the money's in it, but the passion's not in it or the passion's in it, the money's not in it. If you can lean into your strengths, it ends up being much more rewarding. Only 3% of speakers, podcasters, and authors make enough money to do it as a full-time career. Man, that's bad. I came from the big business world. And if I wanted to scale my speaking career and release courses, I knew I needed more than just case studies and metrics. I actually needed a personal brand. Brand Builders Group is a personal brand strategy firm for thought leaders, experts, and entrepreneurs, and they work with some of the biggest names. They help clarify your message, expand reach, and increase revenue while monetizing your personal brand. I still do their monthly consulting package, but I've also done their workshops, webinars. They're all great. Don't be part of the 97% who can't afford to do the work they love full time. Connect with the same team I hired to help me. Check them out at pivot-me.com backslash partners and get on their schedule for a free call. Stephen, I've heard you speak recently about the four types of mentorship. And since a mentor was so pivotal in your life, can you talk about the four types? I think it was like one-on-one, historical. All right. So I'll tell you the whole reason I created this little, what we call micro content piece for, for my folks is because the number one question I get at live events is, will you be my mentor? <laughs> I bet. Right? <laughs> I right? Bet. So you're like, yeah, I'd love, I'd love to it, you know, but the chances of us having one-on-one interaction on a consistent sure. basis would be very difficult, right? So mm-hmm. you're just being honest. I got to thinking, I was like, wait a minute. So Steve Myrick still mentors me and he's not even, he's not even on the earth anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. I still have these little nuggets that pop up every now and again that I'll just have these little fleeting memories. It's like watching one of the one of your favorite movies just in general and you have these flashbacks of these cool experiences, right? Well, then I got to thinking, I was like, well, okay, well, in today's world, what is different about mentorship? Right. So mentorship is nothing more than learning from someone else who's already been there, done that before you, and has the character to back it up. Ooh, that's okay. good. That's good. I see people chasing mentors, wanting mentors, but the mentor themselves doesn't necessarily have the, the character to back up some of the training. 
mm-hmm. and therefore it leads the person ultimately astray and down into some destruction, destructive behaviors. Okay? Can you explain when you say character, what do you mean specifically? Yes. I'm big on honesty. Mm-hmm. I'm big on loyalty. I'm big on the fact that you're not a guru, you're a guide, meaning you have to have already been there and done that, not just you know, watch somebody else's content and then digest it and reposition sure. it and all that kind of stuff, right? It comes down to being authentic. Mm-hmm. You know, so mentors that I I gravitate towards, I have to know that, that that I know that I know that they have a war story of sure. how they develop these skill sets. Sure. And more importantly, that they are currently the same person in the light as they are in the dark. Mm. And, I, and I'll give you an example of that. I was going to say, are you a David Goggins fan? Uh, you know, I don't know David, but I should because oh, our names are similar, right? So <laughs> David Goggins is amazing. Can't hurt me. That book is amazing. Listen to it on audio because, he, yeah, the the conversation that happens in between the readings is so powerful. I think you'd resonate with him. I've been, I've got to, I definitely got to check it out. But For sure. you know, when it comes down to it, these mentorship, I, I had this moment in time. I used to be involved in and out of ministry stuff, and I would go to these these large conferences, and I would see these amazing thought leaders. They would be on stage. They come off the stage. I'd be behind stage totally because I'd different. have access. And it was like, you and you are not the, how did, you all like the same person. It's a persona. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And it used to, it used to drive me crazy. And then I had this event that I went to a number, about three years ago. And I fully anticipated the, the same thing to happen. I got there a day early. I went there as kind of a, you know, just, I'm just going there for my own little healing kind of thing and, and mm-hmm. whatever. And lo and behold, I get there a day early, so I'm setting up the stage and stuff. And out of the stage and stuff, I actually come back and I have backstage access. First time in a number of years that I saw that the person on stage matched the person behind the curtain. And it spoke to me so good. And like in a good way, I'm like, oh, this can be done right. So if you look at that from a character standpoint and mentorship, then the four areas break down this way. First of all, there's a peer-to-peer mentor, right? That's 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 kind of what we're doing. I'm sure you and I could sit down with a cup of coffee and we could bounce ideas back and forth all day long. For sure. Entrepreneurs resonate with entrepreneurs. We get it. Like there's always certain, and you can, I guarantee you that you can also walk up to an entrepreneur, someone who says I'm an entrepreneur, look them in the eye and know if they are or aren't. (laughs) There's a, there's a hunger (laughs) and the idea generation too. There's a, there's a certain ambiance to us for 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 entrepreneurs, right? Well, that would be kind of an example of peer to peer. You're playing ping pong ideas back and forth. You got challenges coming back and forth. You're helping another one, another back and forth. And then you've got something that I refer to as the aspirational mentor. Now, an aspirational mentor for me would be someone like Steve Mark. We're in a roundabout way, my, my grandfather that, that taught me about my faith that I later adopted as my own, right? Each of these, each of these men have character qualities that I want to emulate and I, and I admire. That may be, maybe you're following a thought leader that you just, you want to emulate their behaviors and, and you like what they're doing. The only question I would ask is, does that person have character? Are they leading you towards stuff or are they leading you towards substance? Where are they leading you, right? And that's how you really know if, do I have a good, a solid aspirational mentor to go after? The next one is what's uh, known, a friend of mine named Doug Stewart did a whole entire presentation, a whole TED talk on mentorship, which is phenomenal. And one of the ones that he brought up that I totally swiped from him, told him I swiped it. Hopefully he's not too mad at me, but I had to, which is called the historical mentor. So the historical mentor is nothing more than a great book or asset that still exists today, even though the mentor may not. Right. So you just mentioned David Goggins book, how much it meant to you. Technically, even though you have still have access to David. It's yeah, it's historical. The book book is going to be there for sure. For sure. When I was going through my entrepreneur journey, it was all historical mentors. And that was actually a mistake I made is that I didn't have like peer to peer or aspirational Mm -hmm. ones. Everyone that I was learning from were all in books or speaking engagements. 
Yeah. Well, and, and see, and books are good, but books are teaching. They're they're, they're one way. They're one way yeah, too. Exactly. There's no challenge. There's no conversation. Because another thing that I think we do, and I'll go to the fourth one in a second, is we try to cover. We try to make a one size fits all approach to everything. And the reality is, is we all have different starting points. We're all at different points in our journey. And as a result, the frameworks that we use to move past certain hurdles in our journey need to be different kind of scenario, um, which kind of leads me to the, the final mentor, which is what's known as the digital mentor. Never has it been easier on the history of the planet to have access to fantastic content that can help you motivate your mind, change your heart, and help you take the next step. And if you use the same lens that I discussed with the aspirational mentor and you funnel all of these different pieces of content through that, you're going to find something really important if it's a quality mentor. Quality mentors and quality content and quality resources, the number one thing they all share in common is that they move you past the answers you want. Mm, okay. So let me get, so here's, and I discovered this when in searching for my faith. When I become a person of faith, I spent well over five years as a very angry atheist. Because I, my life was full of suffering. If there was a God, then da 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 da. How would he mm -hmm. be? My grandfather, um, who passed away in 2016, used to refer to me as his little soul winner from the time that I was born all the way to 2016 when he passed away. His right? little he what? His little soul winner. It's a, a soul it's winner. A, okay. Yeah, it's a faith based term. Mm -hmm. But and again, I don't ask the audience doesn't have to share my faith. Sure, sure. In the main space, but he would say that, and it used to irritate the ever loving fire out of me. I'm like, stop calling me that. I. God is not real and all this kind of stuff, right? Yeah. Stop calling me that. And he would continue on. And then I would bring up all these different things about science and Big Bang and all this kind of stuff and Collider and da 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 da. And he would, and he would just look at me or whatever so lovely and just say, He said, You're just not digging deep enough. Keep digging. Keep digging. And I and I finally was like, dig for what? He goes, You're only digging for the answers you want. You don't want God to be real. And I was like, hmm. And I took that same principle because I believe principles govern promises. So if I want to live a specific promise, there are principles to guide me to get there. I took that same principle of digging past the answers that I want to help me understand that one of the greatest hurdles that we face, especially as high-performing entrepreneurs, one of the biggest ones is that we already got it figured out. We already think we know the answers to the questions, but yet, our, but yet we don't have evidence to support it. Sure. Great mentors, whether it's a digital one, a historical one, a peer-to-peer, -peer, an aspirational, whatever it is, great mentors always move you past the answers that you want and onto the answers that you need. That's really good. I have to think on that, Stephen. Oh, that's really good. I'm just thinking of, I run, and through Pivot Me, we run masterminds. And an, a saying we say a lot is that people come for one reason. We, we tell them what they need to hear. So they come in the door, but we mm -hmm. give them what they need. And they're like, they always say, man, I came in to whatever, increase my profit, launch a new product, whatever that is. But why I walked away with this, this other thing, I didn't know how bad I needed it. And I'm, I think it's very applicable there. As soon as you said that, that's where I went. And I'm like, yep, you give them pa more than the answer they were originally seeking. Yeah. And you, and you ultimately you, you give them what they're so desperately seeking breakthrough. Yeah. Right. They, they want breakthrough. There's a ceiling, there's a something, there's a, and many times we cannot, we cannot articulate what the thing is. Like we just know that we're not content. Sometimes that contentment comes out of a place of fear and insecurity. Sometimes that contentment comes out of a place of stagnation, right? Yeah. You've just, you've just been here too long. But the number one thing normally is the fact that we think we already got it figured out. So therefore, we don't reach out to great mentors. We don't take advantage of fantastic masterminds like the ones you have. Mm -hmm. you know, we don't do what's necessary to actually achieve breakthrough, which yes. is why when you see your clients 
like come in. They're like, yeah, I thought I was going to do this. And they come like, like my marriage is better. And all like, you're just so like, true. Heck yeah. so, so someone starts and it's like, oh, I want to, I want to get on my workout schedule again and work out five days a week. I'm like, all right, we'll do that. And some, and invariably <laughs> it's that like my marriage is so much better. Or, you know, I started yeah. a nonprofit, some radical thing ends up happening, but they also are working out five days a week. So that's a win too. Exactly. Oh, they have to get everything. Good. Yeah. Oh, that's, that, that is powerful. So, so one of the things, so, you know, you've obviously had a lot of successful businesses. Now we talked about it in your bio. I I don't want to say what's your, your secret to the success of those, but how do you manage one of the things we talk about on pivot me a lot is self-sabotage, how we Mm -hmm. get in our own way of success. Usually our biggest struggle is us, the chokehold in our businesses, us. How -hmm. did you overcome that? And if it's still a struggle, how are you continuing to overcome it? Well, so first of all, I would say that the easiest way to, to conquer self-sabotage is to focus on becoming selfless. Because if it's not about you, it won't be about you, number one. In other oh words, if you're not, God. you see what I'm saying? Like, yeah, that's good. Right? Now, how did I discover that? I actually discovered that, unfortunately, after the man that I mentioned earlier, Steve Meyer, gave me one hell of an opportunity. He literally put me in a business for myself the first time out. This is 97 and bought me all the tools, all the equipment, everything that I needed, all right, to, to put me in the business, to, to start in the construction trade, obviously working with him, and then open up the doors for other clients. And what does a 19-year-old kid do when they start making bukus of money, have been impoverished up until that time frame? Your entire weight of your mantle and your character just get destroyed. I was the guy who was like, I'm going to the pool hall. Why? Because my dad just hang out in pool halls. And I was Making it rain, yeah. Like flipping the hundred dollar bills at the bar, making sure, sure everybody saw that I was flipping the hundred dollar bills, right? Yep. I bought the stupid sports car, right? Mm-hmm. I had paid way too much for it, right? <laughs> sure. Got it financed, like uh, got involved in a toxic relationship, and then proceeded to hand my credit card over, over and over again to try to appease the person that was in the relationship. And mm-hmm. the next thing you know, I look up, I'm I'm alone, I'm seventy plus thousand dollars in debt, my emotions are a wreck. And what do I do? I literally walk off that opportunity. Now, hindsight being 2020, at first I used to beat myself up about about that. However, when it became less about me and more about making sure that I took care of Steve, a year later, after going through my homelessness journey, Steve gave me a second chance. And I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew that I would not let him down again, including building the scaffolding out of the trash piles to get started. I refused. I've just flat out refused not to do something with that opportunity. And I only had that from that contrast. I was either going to be like, I was going to be become like my father, become more like Steve. Right. And I, and any given time we have a choice of which, who we become. Have I gone through self, self self-sabotage? Yes. That was a major example of self-sabotage. Like I expected it to fall apart and I literally brought it into my life. The tricky part is When it comes down to doing what Steve did for me, which is creating a legacy, all I want to do is create a legacy that outlives me. I want the best of me to be in my kids. I want the best of me to be out in the audience. I want the best of me to be in the the hardworking person that's trying to just put food on the table. I just want the best of me to be something that someone else will one day, 10 years, five years, 20 years down the road is on the podcast. Maybe they just started speaking or whatever. Mm -hmm. And they they say, this guy Scoggins. Guy Scoggins made a difference. Like he, he, he just made a difference, right? Yeah. And I will tell you that it's such a cool experience. I did this when I had Les Brown on my mm. show, probably. One of my favorites. Oh, he's oh, on he's my dream phenomenal. list. I haven't had yeah. him on Pivot Me, but I'm a huge Les Brown fan. I'll see what I can do. Yes, that would be great. I can, I can, I'll definitely connect you with the people that can connect you with the people, so to speak. Sure. You heard it I here first. Unique- 
Steven Scoggins going to help me get less brown. No, that's he, right. Steve, Steven, Steven Scoggins will, sh- will help shoot for it for sure. But, uh, uh, his story is just amazing. And I, he's absolutely well, one he's, of my heroes. He's amazing. And he, he literally, this he literally glows. <laughs> yeah, he does. He's one of the best human beings on the planet. I had him on my show not long ago and I was able to, we, bef- it's crazy. My, I had the conversation like on air, but off air, like it wasn't going to technically mm-hmm. be the start of the show. My team was like, you have to release that. You've got to release the, the beginning part of you and less. I'm like, why? I'm like, you don't understand. That was powerful for all of us to watch. And here's what was powerful. I was able to, to tell less that in 1998, he was doing an Amway conference for Am, one of the Amway organizations. He was invited to one of their summit events. Mm-hmm. Somebody in the trailer park invited me to go to an Amway conference, right? I was rebuilding my life. I said, sure, let's go. And I'm in a crowd, a stadium crowd. I think it was, it wasn't, uh, I think it was the Dorton Arena or something like that in Raleigh. It, was, it wasn't our big RBC center thing sure. that we have now, but it was, a, you know, it was a stadium. It was either or Greensboro. And I was in nosebleed seats and out pops less. And he did one of his signature talk called It's Possible. <laughs> I have it memorized. Yes. Right? <laughs> yes. And I was able to tell Les, that's like, Les, you don't understand. Up until that moment, I had all but given up that things were possible. And, you know, I gave him a little, just a really quick rundown, you know, businesses and team members, all this kind of stuff. And I was like, you're one of those people. You're one of five people on count of my hand that, that got me here so far. Wow. You know, and I don't even know where I'm going next. Right. <laughs> yeah. I'm just excited about the journey. <laughs> yeah. You know, but when you can share that with a mentor of yours and share mm-hmm. that journey and stuff like that, it makes a big difference, which is how we bring this thing full circle. If we want to overcome self-sabotage and we want to overcome those hurdles that get in our way, we have to understand it's not about us. It's about the generations hidden inside of us. It's not about us. It's about the generation hidden inside of us. It's about what you're going to do, not what has already been done. And if you can just put that at the top of your forefront of your mind, anytime you feel like you don't want to try or it's not possible or whatever, it will help you get over that hurdle. And you do it enough times, you'll create the muscle memory to inevitably build the confidence you need to keep moving forward. For sure. So powerful. And and back to our earlier discussion about being, you know, serving the person you once were. One of the things that we do here is we connect people to to use avatar language, but we connect people to the person you're most uniquely um, qualified to help. And when you imagine getting on stage and thinking there's a younger version of April sitting there that needs to Mm -hmm. hear what I'm about to say, there's a younger version of Steven's that Steven that's in the nosebleed seats. And he is just like, just spent his last 50 bucks on his ticket here. And he's like, Mm -hmm. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't even know what I'm going to eat. And he hears what you have to say. Like when you really connect to that person, You've got to show up. You've got to leave it. It's funny. Someone asked me the other day in an interview, they said, what is your biggest fear? And I said, time that I haven't done it all. Mm -hmm. I said, I need to leave it all on the mat. Like there's so much in me and so much crazy experience. And and I want to give it all away. And so the thing that I fight with most is time because I want to make sure that I give it all away. I I love this concept, Stephen. And I love what I hear is this pursuit of it started out with Steve and then maybe it moved to Les Brown, but you wanted to be someone else's Les, someone else's Mm -hmm. Steve. And it sounds like you're doing that for thousands of people now. Um, That is my heart's heart's desire is to make a big enough impact where people don't have to suffer. You know, if you think about it, to give you another faith example, just out of just because it's the one at the top of mind, there was a study done a number of years ago that said there was enough wealth 
in the current faith community to actually solve many of the problems we keep begging God to solve on our behalf. What's not happening is we don't have enough people who are remembering where they came from and remembering who they're called to serve as part of that process. If you think about it, you know, I started my much of my journey of awareness, 16, 17, 18, 19 years old. What if I can get to a Steven Scoggins at 13 or 10 or seven years old? You know what I'm saying? Yep. That's how you break generational junk. Yes. Yes. You see what I'm saying? So. Yeah. And well, and like what I mentioned earlier that my mentors were all historical mentors. I didn't know them. I didn't have mm-hmm. mentors. And I, I, op- I talk about it openly on the show that that was one of the biggest mistakes and it, made it a lot harder than it needed to be. I had to work a lot harder and I had to sacrifice a lot more because I didn't have a mentor. And so what do I want to be? The mentor to others, the Mm -hmm. the other people that are out there going, I've got the work, I've got the determination, hard work. It ain't going to get you there. Like there's more to it than just that. That's why we see people get ahead and you're like, why that guy? He doesn't even work that hard because it's, it's a little bit more nuanced than that, but a mentor will help you get there. And and, and so if we remember where we come from, we can solve that same problem that we finally solve for ourselves. Then it becomes a responsibility for us to solve it for other yeah. people. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, what you just described is becoming the mentor you wish you had. Totally. Right? Totally. And if your focus is, is just to become that person, you'll continually bust through ceilings. You won't have a choice. Yeah. Because it's always going to require you to face the hard thing or do the hard work first or be uncomfortable. Like it's going to force you constantly. Sure. And you get these little moments of bliss, do it all over again. Yeah. Cause they're watching the people yeah. that you need to help are watching. I have, I have a lot of whiteboards in my office, but at the very <laughs> top of my white, right. I have the, do you ever do like the, the four by eight, the poor man's oh, whiteboard, yeah. you get it from home Depot and then you frame it out. It looks real nice, but it's giant. <laughs> I got a couple of poor man whiteboards in here. The very top of that whiteboard, it has 30 of my favorite quotes. Les Brown is on there two or three times. The very top line says, I owe it to eight-year-old April. Mic drop. It's pretty good, huh? I feel like that would apply for you too, Stephen. I'm dropping the mic. Right, right. So I think about (laughs) what does eight-year-old April, because I have an eight-year-old, I have an eight and 10-year-old daughter. So I'm Mm -hmm. very aware of what I'm modeling for them. But then I also think about, okay, what does 18-year-old April need who was just getting into corporate America and didn't have role models and what does she need versus, you know, 30-year-old April who's well on her way in the corporate career. She's climbing the Mm -hmm. corporate ladder. She's got the side gig and the side hustle and all that sort of stuff. But thinking about serving that person Mm-hmm. And connecting to one, because you're not talking to an audience when you're on a podcast. And I, I'm sure you do this too. You're not talking to an audience. You're talking to one person. You just have to serve that one person. You just have to transition. They're here and they have to get there and you can mm-hmm. solve for X. And that's yeah. why we've got to show up. That's why we have to keep influencing people and impacting people. Because once we break through, then it's our job to open up the door and let as many people through. Yes. Yeah. There's a, there's a reason that my logo is a bridge. So anybody that goes to watch Stuck to Unstoppable on, the, on YouTube, you'll see, you'll see a, a giant chasm with a bridge that then that represents me almost taking my life at a bridge. It represents me being a bridge between uh, both the faith and secular world. It represents me being a bridge between what people want most and what they're doing now. Like it's, it's all of that wrapped up in, and that's why I love like being on this journey with you is yeah. because we're after same, we're after the same, we're after stuff. the same thing. Yeah. And, today, and together we're going to, we're going to have a, a blast and, and hopefully transform a lot of lives in the process. I'm going to read a note that I've got here in front of me. Number one, it says, I took control of my life and my goals and made them happen. Number two is focus. I didn't have a clue what focus was. Number three says, I'm really thriving with weekly accountability and a team to help. 
These are just some of the feedback we've received from our weekly mastermind calls. We've been running them for years. They have been so powerful, so impactful, and they've all been full, but we finally opened a new time slot with live coaching with me and eight other awesome people once a week. They will get to know you. I will get to know you, and we will all be pooling for your success. Hop over to pivot-me.com backslash mastermind, answer those four questions and get on a call with me. Come on over. Your team is waiting for you. Let's do this together. We got to cross paths in Nashville. I don't know how we keep missing, but I'm going to be out there soon for the next application event. So I love your logo, by the way. Our We have our oh, educate, elevate, execute. And I was like, the bridge, the bridge is powerful. That that we, we got to get back to the drawing board because that is so powerful. I mean, that moves people and represents mm-hmm. so much. So let me ask you this. If you could tell the world one thing, what would it be? Oh, it's easy. Don't quit. It's so simple. It's so simple, but it's the number one thing that's probably keeping you from achieving what that what you want most is your desire to give up when you need to push forward. I know. And, and, and again, I know it's simple and I know I'm supposed to say something super profound But the reality is, is I am where I am today because I just wouldn't quit. I wouldn't quit. I wouldn't quit growing. I wouldn't quit learning. I wouldn't quit learning that I could do it better. I I will publicly tell people I was a horrible leader the first 10 years I was in business because I was operating from that insecure ADHD kid that had people that had college degrees working for him or with him. And I didn't want them to know. I didn't really know what I was doing. I was totally shooting from the hip. In order to get through those hurdles, break through those barriers, you can't quit. Even when you want to, even when you're crying on the floor in your pillow and you're like, I know I'm in. And again, I've had these moments and and been in what most would refer to as financial success, right? Mm-hmm. Or you're, you got a great reputation in the marketplace and you're doing all this kind of stuff, right? The only moments that get you through the next, le- into the next level are the ones that you're scared of now. Ooh, so, say that say that again. That was good. Yeah, say that again. Yeah, absolutely. So you, the only way you get to where you're trying to go is to base. See, I can't even say it again because that was all, <laughs> it was that so was good. Tough. It was one time only. <laughs> Rewind. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, at the end of the day, the only reason you're not where you want to be at right now is because you probably are scratching or you're, you're at that that ceiling where you want to bust through, but you're kind of scared of where you're going. Mm-hmm. So you got to break through what it is you're afraid of, in an effort to actually become fruitful with what you're meant to have kind of scenario. So we'll have to rewind it because I don't even remember it was what good. I said. It was so good. <laughs> it was so good. So 10 years out, Stephen, 10 years out, what does that look like? What, what's happened? And you go, man, that was a success. Like I did uh, what I was here to do. 10 years out, I'm able to look at people that I've been able to encourage and inspire and give them frameworks and strategies of their own and to see their success. I'm a, acquainted with Dave Ramsey a little bit. And one of the things that I love about his brand is the debt-free scream that they do. Like mm-hmm. they apply the principles, they apply the work, they've done the work and the scream is for them. I just haven't figured out what my scream thing's going to be yet. Right? Sure. I, I, I want to be able to, I want to be able to know, I'd love to be able to see it in my lifetime that I've made a difference. Um, but if not, I'm okay with not seeing it in my lifetime if need be. But yeah, the next 10 years is, is lots of live events, lots of books, uh, lots of one-on-one interactions, lots of bear, big bear hugs and lots of laughter and cutting up and wiping tears and, and all of that. To me, that's a meaningful life is to know you made, a, you made a meaningful difference in somebody else's life. Agreed. Agreed. Stephen, I knew we'd get along great. Stephen, let's talk about where they can get a whole lot more of you. I know you have an amazing YouTube channel. Talk to us about that. 
Yeah. So like everybody else, Steven Scoggins with a PH, double G's in the Scoggins side. So stevenscoggins.com. You can find me on YouTube that way, Instagram, et cetera. If they're super excited and they want to learn more about what we're doing, uh, we have Transform You Live coming up October 21st to the 23rd here in Raleigh, North Carolina. It's a hybrid event. We have folks like Tom and Lisa Bilyeu, Anthony Trucks, mm-hmm. Amberly Lago, Ray Higdon, Evan Carmichael, and so many more of my friends coming in for a once in a lifetime thing. And it is not a pitch fest. There is no pitching. <laughs> There's no pitching. It's wow. you're either bringing content or you're not stepping on the stage. Just contribution. It's just contribution. Wow. We are, we are, we are, we are going to serve and we're going to do it at scale. I'm going to allow 300 people mm-hmm. uh, in my live event center here, even though we can seat more just for safety's sake. And then we're going to have the live stream. We're actually, we actually have all the technology that most, the, the interactive technology for virtual. So you can actually engage with people virtually. So sure. we'll probably, we'll probably cap that off around 5,000 people, but we're here to serve and we want to help you. And if you're at that level and you just want, you just want a swift kick in the butt, come on. That's it. So we're going to put all the links in the show notes, but pivoters, as you're listening to Steven, I want you to go back to the story when he shared how speakers sometimes would get up on stage and they weren't the same person on stage as they are off. You're listening to a man who's the same on stage and off stage. Like he's the real deal. Go follow him. Go see what he has to say. And uh, let yourself be one of the people that he's impacting. Thanks, Stephen. Uh, Thank you so much. Stephen is the real deal and truly focused on contribution now. He has the heart to serve. This is a man that's the same regardless of if the cameras are on or off. And what I saw in our talk today, this mentorship, this guidance that Steve offered him so long ago has shaped just about everything he does. And now he actively works to be somebody else's Steve. What a pursuit. What an honor to Steve and his memory. He was given a second chance at life. Now Steven's teaching others to have the same. He empowers people to take authority over their lives. I want you to connect with Steven Scoggins. Check out his live event, Transform You, happening October 21st through the 23rd. We will put a link in our show notes, but I want us to use Steven's interview as inspiration, as a sign. Someone out there wishes they could be mentored by you, shown something by you. Something in your rear view mirror is on another person's bucket list. Take a moment today and think about who that might be. And go out and be someone Steve today. Thanks. Thank you so much for dialing in today. And don't forget, make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you love what you hear, give us a five-star review. It means the world to us. Hit me up on Instagram at the April Garcia or check us out online at pivot-me.com. This is all made possible with the support of you listeners, the numerous contributors, and our clients. Our music and production is by the amazing Rockwood Audio. Join me next time for more tips on how to hack success. And until then, make it a great day. Thanks, guys. You guys are amazing.